another episode of the Nakmit Assess podcast. It has been a while since we've done one episode. Uh, I, I think early last month, early June was the last time we recorded one. All of us have been really busy. We've been enjoying the Euros and the Copa America in parallel. But yeah, we've been really, really busy with some other stuff. So, but we finally, we're finally back. We are going to discuss some Euros and Copa action in this episode. And I'm joined today by Sudesh, who is going to be the co-host with me. Hey, Sudesh. Hi, welcome everyone. Like long time since we rolled out uh, an episode for the Nutmeg Assist podcast, but I feel great to be back as you, as I think any everyone in Nutmeg Assist is. Right, Ritwik? Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I, I wouldn't want to waste a lot of time. So we'll get into it pretty quickly. And the main agenda for today's podcast is to cover some of the players who've been impressive in the Euros as well as the Copa. And we'll also touch on a couple of teams as well who, who we felt have been really good. Both Sudesh and myself will be giving our personal opinions on why. So we'll start with the players. We'll start with the Euros first. For me, Sudesh, uh-huh. I mean, if you talk about picking a player of the tournament, right? If you talk about picking a player of the tournament, I don't think anyone's been consistently consistent. Probably, if, if that's the right word, in my in my honest opinion, I know Harry Maguire. I, I guess the the most consistent player I would say is Harry Maguire. He missed the first two games for England, the first two group stage games. I think he started the third um, against Czech Republic. So that was his first game for England in the tournament. And since then, he's been really good. He's been one of the standard players in the tournament. But apart from him, I guess maybe Petri as well, you could argue, Busquets. Probably these three players would probably be the most consistent ones, I would say. But it's very, very hard to pick a player of the tournament. I have a short list of players, though, who have really caught my eye. We'll come finally onto the player of the tournament picks that both of us have. But... Before revealing my list, I would like to know the place that has impressed you, first of all. Oh, yes. I mean, your point is very valid, considering that a lot of players have really good performances, but they have not been consistent enough. If I can remember, Paul Pogo was spectacular when he played uh, with France, and since France got knocked out too early, uh, I think it's a way... Uh, small of a sample size to put him in that list this uh, early. And another name that stood out for me was Penasola. Now that he's injured, he was playing really, really well. And now that he's injured, I think he's out of the equation as well. And Harry Maguire has been someone that has been really, really consistent for England. Like his performance yesterday against Denmark was also remarkable. If you look at not only the defensive side of it, but uh, his past completion rate. Uh, the way he was breaking the lines, the way he was getting in the build-up. And so so it, it's like there have been so many standout players that have performed really well in particular matches or had their moments in this tournament. But, you know, for the player of the tournament bracket, I quite see like three or four players that stand out, like you listed Harry Maguire. Or um, you can always argue Raheem Sterling has been really good for England. Or even Harry Kane has been particularly well in the uh, in the knockout stages for England. But I think it's it's going to be someone like Harry Maguire or Raheem Sterling 
or even someone from uh i mean even uh as you mentioned it it could it could be pedri but since they are knocked out i think it's it's highly unlikely so i i i see rahim sterling getting the edge here yeah that's a fair shout and that's what i'm getting into right now i want to get into right now actually so i have kind of made a shortlist for this particular episode uh I mean, I could like mention a lot of players, probably 10, 12 players who who who've been like really good for me in a tournament. It's been a fun tournament so far. Something that I did not expect, considering the fatigue the players might have gone through, especially last season because of the COVID uh, situation as well. So it's been a really interesting tournament. But I'll come to my players straight away right now. Raheem Sterling for me is probably. my pick for player of the year right now uh, one fact that or one particular piece of thing that a lot of us forget is that player of the tournaments mostly end up being from one of the finalists mostly end up being from one of the finalists so that's a really important factor to consider here has petri or busquets been as good as raheem sterling or or probably jorginho from italy or spinazzola it's it's pretty it's pretty hard to argue that way i guess spinazzola yeah. is out obviously so he missed the semi final he's going to miss the final as well but he's been really impressive he he didn't start the third third game for italy as well if i'm not wrong um, since italy rotated the entire squad for since they they won the first two games so he has to assist eight key passes as well around four four shot creating actions uh, per 90 which is like really amazing numbers for a wing back So Spinazzola def- definitely deserves a mention, but I don't think he's going to win the Player of the Tournament award just because of the just because of that injury, and that's really really unfortunate for him because he was having a really amazing tournament. Pedri again, yes, he's lit up. He's played a lot of minutes for Barcelona last season. He has played the entire campaign for Spain as well. I think he was substituted just once, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah, just two minutes earlier. Exactly against against Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's again a really good shout. And Pedri's stats have also been really impressive. 68 passes to the final third, which is the first, uh, and he's that's a, that's the most in the tournament. 10 key passes, 27 shot creating actions, which is again the top most in the tournament. And from that 27, he has. uh he i mean he he ranks fourth in terms of live ball shot creating actions per 90 which is again really really good and in terms of in the, from from the 27 shot creating actions five of them are directly involved in goals so if you are wondering what shot creating actions and goal creating actions are basically shot creating actions are correspondingly the two actions before a goal a shot goes a shot goes in so basically the player involved in the last two passes or the last two events before uh, another player shoots or the same player shoots is considered to be a shot creating action so the same for goals instead of shots so that's that's what shot creating actions or goal creating actions indicate key passes is basically the assisted shot the pass before the shot basically so he's ranked really good in that aspect he has been controlling but i think one of the main factors is he he hasn't had to work way too much he he hasn't had to defend transitions too much because he has Sergio Busquets behind him who's also had a really really good tournament in my opinion so 
Although he's had a really great tournament, I don't think Pedri might win Player of the Tournament. If 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 you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Another couple of shouts. Yeah, I I just wanted to mention another couple of shouts, Sudesh, before moving on to you, and that that's something that I wanted to hear your yeah, opinion sure. as well. I I just cannot rule a couple of Denmark players out. Mikael Damsgaard, he has been really really good in the tournament, and. We'll come to Denmark later on, but two goals and an assist in in this tournament—it's really good. And the two goals that he scored, my God, what what an amazing couple of goals against Russia outside the box, which was probably key to Denmark qualifying. And yesterday's opener against against England, the free kick, which is the first direct free kick goal of the tournament, and that was brilliant technique as well for him to shoot. He's been really impressive for me. Although he's he's not going to be the player of the tournament uh, by any stretch because I don't think he's been his overall game hasn't matched up with some of the other names that we mentioned before, but he definitely deserves a mention. Same for Mela as well, who has been amazing. And this is something about the Atalanta wingbacks; they <laughs> really really shine. You saw the same with Gosens a couple of yeah. no, games back. Mela's. Is I mean he has been involved a lot in attack. Ten shots in the tournament, seven shots on target, two goals and an assist, 2.37 shot creating actions, and the highest shots on target in the tournament is eight. The, there are a few players tied on eight, and Mahel has taken seven shots on target. Actually, tells you a lot about how often he he he's taken shots, and and I, I think just before yesterday's game he was. Pretty consistent as well. Although yesterday he couldn't have much of an impact, and I think the performance wasn't probably as matching to the other performance that he had in the season or or in the tournament. I mean, uh, so these two are a couple of names. I cannot forget Pierre Emil Hojbjerg as well. He started every single minute for Tottenham in the Premier League last season, if I'm not wrong, and he's played the same with the same energy for Denmark as well. I know how tiring it would be. you could see him tired almost but he's been really influential for Denmark as well in the tournament um especially in terms of being decisive in the uh, by by bringing the ball into the final third especially so these three names i just couldn't couldn't miss out on and what are your thoughts on these three names so this that's what i want to ask you as well yeah i mean it it's interesting that you put out the controls that we have to kind of consider before we pick our player of the tournament and i think another factor would be it's it's highly likely that someone like raheem sterling is going to get it because he's just an attacker i mean i see that happening instead of a midfielder or a defender or a defender not taking anything away from raheem sterling he's been uh, really really good throughout this tournament and that that's why that's what makes him very good uh contender of winning the tour- uh, winning the player of the tournament prize and the uh, I, i would like to like kind of highlight your picks like uh one of the most interesting thing that i found out about mela was that he has been uh, the player with most progressive runs per 90 minutes so uh, you you mentioned about the shot uh, shots that he takes and shot creating actions that uh, mela has been doing but he's also been really really instrumental in uh, carrying the ball forward for Denmark and Denmark have uh, been able to rebound on the basis of what uh, Mela's uh, traits have been uh, 
for example, they're, I guess, the third, the side with third most shots taken in the tournament and third most accurate shots taken in the tournament. So I think uh, they have been able to uh, go past every single one of their opponents hunting with those shots. And I think Melo could have been one of uh, the most evil contenders if then provided that Denmark had uh, been able to go through England, which has not happened. So, uh, and coming into Hoiberg, like he, the man is, the man has always been a machine for uh, ball interceptions, or um, if you look at his overall uh, statistics in this uh, tournament, and I think he has been one of the most uh, highly rated players uh, in this tournament. So I, I think uh, it's like the, the shouts that you made from Damsgaard to uh, Hoiberg and Merle in between. I think it's also necessary to put uh, another consideration uh, that how their influence in the team uh, varies as per how the team is performing, as in like how the overall team is performing. For example, yesterday, Raheem Sterling's performance, as I would like to highlight, was instrumental in England getting through. He was at personal level at his best, which I guess Hoiberg and Merle have been uh, with Denmark, but he has been there uh, for the grandest of occasions. So I think that's what makes an edge uh, for Raheem Sterling in this case. Yeah, absolutely. And we cannot forget Jorginho as well, who has won the Champions League. He's been recently getting shouts for the Ballon d'Or, which is uh, probably <laughs> a bit odd. Uh, I, mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but it, it kind of sounded a bit odd though. But he has been an important figure for Italy in the campaign. He's really controlled the game so far. Against Spain, Spain really kind of shut him out for, for, for huge periods of the game by you know, putting putting him or marking him one-on-one, um, try to get the ball out of him. That's, that, that's the best way to take out Jorginho from any game. So Spain effectively did that. Spain's press high up the pitch was also pretty pretty influential and pretty impressive in the game. So, But, but nevertheless, he's had a really good campaign, Jorginho, uh, in, in, in the tournament so far. And I think he's another person, another player who probably might win the player of the tournament if Italy maybe win 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 the whole thing. So he's another name that is probably you know feasible for the for 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 the title. So finally, so they we we probably listed a lot of names. One pick from your your end, just your opinion. Yeah, yeah. I've been advocating this now and. I also wrote a piece about him, so it's it's going it's got to be Raheem Sterling for me, provided that how he has functioned in Gareth Southgate's uh, squad. And although he has had uh, three goals, and Harry Kane uh, practically got has gotten more goals than him, but he's simply been more influential. And provided that pre-tournament, how he uh, he was getting shouts that you know he shouldn't start in Southgate's start, uh, provided that uh, Sancho is someone who's in the bench and stuff like that. I think it's going to be Raheem Sterling, and even more if it comes home for England. So I think it's going to be Raheem Sterling looking at how the tournament has progressed and how he has uh, consistently been uh, more or less uh, effective in uh, England's victories. It would be the same for me as well. I think if, if there's anyone, I think Raheem Sterling has to be my pick as well for player of the tournament. I would probably give it to one of the England players, probably Raheem Sterling or Harry Maguire, if they manage to win the tournament. 
pretty hard coming from a Liverpool fan uh, saying that a Man United or a Man City fan has gone in the player of the tournament. But yeah, there you go. That's that's how influential they've been in the tournament. Yeah, my pick would also be Raheem Sterling. And with that, we'll move on to the next section of this Euro Copa special. Once again, the, the final part of the Euro discussion. Which teams, Sudesh, have probably impressed you the most in this campaign? Probably name a couple of teams that 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 surprised you with something or the other in the tournament. I think a lot of people will agree with me on this fact that Denmark have been a team that have uh, impressed uh, everyone uh, with what they faced in the first game and how they bounced back, uh, starting from their last group game and throughout through the knockouts and how they were against England too. So it, it has to be Denmark that exceeded expectations uh, in this tournament and really made it to the top four. But uh, uh, talking about how the teams have performed and how well they've looked uh, organization-wise, I think it's got to be Italy uh, who have impressed me the most. And uh, a fair sh- uh, share of teams that I... Uh, looked upon and looked really good was some uh, a team like Ukraine who uh, which like re, uh, took on uh, and got very good and very close to uh, some of the most defining moments of the tournament and they they were really great against uh, Sweden and the Sapchenko they have been uh, quite a quite a good side so i think it it's it if i have to list the top 3 it's going to be Italy based on the performance and consistency that they have delivered. Uh, Denmark on the basis of how they have pulled things off and Ukraine as uh, like the stepping uh, up team in this tournament. So it, it's going to be, for me, it's going to be Denmark, Italy and Ukraine. Not fair, not fair stealing my answer. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I had the exact same three teams written in. Uh, so and about Denmark especially, I think they started... The, the first game against Sweden, they lined up in a 4-3-3 or probably 4-2-3 formation. Uh, but since the absence of Christian Eriksen, they tweaked the system, they went with a back three and they've been really successful with that as well. So I think you have to credit how well Denmark has, ad- has adapted despite that early shock with what we saw with Christian Eriksen especially. And you have to give credit to Casper. Hulman for the way he's adapted to different games. You've seen Christ, I, I've seen Christensen move into midfield at times to counter uh, counterfeit the oppo- opposition tactics as well. So yeah. he's been very flexible tactically, and they've been really re- they've been really good team to watch as well. Denmark, uh, a, a little bit of chaos in the team, and that that's something I really like in football teams. That's that's just a personal preference though, but. Yep, Italy, obvious choice. You mentioned especially why the pressing style that Roberto Mancini has brought into this team, the way they attack, uh, Berardi on the right, uh, Insigne on the left. In the, the Insigne curlers are something of, of, of a cliche mm-hmm. football. It's, it's a cliche football thing. And we've, seen, yeah. we, we've been really fortunate to witness that in the Euros as well. Even when Chiesa has started on the right instead of Berardi, he's been impressive as well, especially that cameo against Austria where he came on and really lit it up. He was actually pretty decent against uh, Spain in the semi-final as well. He got the goal. So, he, I mean, Italy have been really good. They've been tied to the back as well, mostly. So, 
like you mentioned, they are another candidate. Ukraine, like you said, I think they've been pretty impressive on Shevchenko. There was an article, I guess, on The Athletic uh, on Shevchenko recently as well, which is a really good read. Uh, And the one thing that I have with Ukraine is that the level between Zinchenko and some of the other players is massive. So that's that's something that really caught my eye. But they've been a really exciting team to watch as well. Sweden is another team that I had a lot of expectation from when the tournament started. Uh, especially like Alexander Isaac, uh, who is a player that I really, really love and rate. But sadly, Sweden did not did not really impress me when, when they went out against Ukraine. So that was probably a disappointment. The Netherlands, probably a little, I mean, everyone was probably a little bit, uh, uh, little bit worried about the fact that Frank de Boer, uh, how, how Netherlands would do under Frank de Boer. And I think it, in turn proved to be right for most of them because the way they went out of the tournament is Czech Republic was pretty bad as well and the Czech Republic have been like pretty direct in the, in the, in the, in the tournament Patrick Schick has lit up the tournament basically I, remind, I mean I've seen Grace Robertson on Twitter mention that it reminded her of the Milan Barros uh, heroes uh. <laughs> It's a it's a, it's a, it's a classic comparison and yeah they've they've also actually been really tight at the back they've they've, they've stayed compact they've, they've, they've I mean one of the most important things that I I really liked from the Czech Republic was their ability to grind out results in some way or the another so that's something that I really admired from them so these are probably the teams that I kind of loved watching in the tournament and yeah so. We will move on from the Euros now to the Copa America. And this is a tournament which I haven't really caught much of, especially because of the time difference. By the time uh, uh, the Euro games end, it's it's already 2.30 a.m. here in, uh, in India. And the Copa America's timings are pretty sadly you know, conflicting <laughs> and pretty sadly at a very, very bad time. You have the game starting at 4.30 a.m., 6.30 a.m., 5.30 a.m., sometimes 2.30 a.m. as well, the group stage games. So I couldn't really catch much of that. So I'll, I'll I'll just ask you for opinions because I know you've got those games. So, Sudesh, could you just tell us uh, some of the players that has really impressed you from the Copa America? So when we talk about Copa America, there's got to be two players that we cannot miss out on. Like... This is an this has to be an obvious uh, inclusion. So it's been Lionel Messi who has been particularly stand out in this Copa America tournament. He's lit up the tournament, four goals and five assists, and you know eleven of the ten eleven of the goals that Argentina have scored. Nine of them uh, have more or less come out of Lionel Messi. And uh, Neymar on the other side has been one standout player. So these two players have been. Uh, kind of very instrumental and live up to the expectations that uh, were put on on them. And another shout that I would like to give that has particularly stood out and done really, really well and kind of has become the revelation of this tournament would be uh, Lucas Paqueta. So for Brazil, uh, this Lyon midfielder has uh, caught some eye because of how he has linked up with Neymar and how he has uh, been functioning in this Brazilian midfield lineup, although he didn't start 
the first uh, games that Brazil played, as far as I remember, he has been uh, starting games for PJ's side lately. And uh, so he has been one of those revelations that uh, we can uh, talk about from the big sides. As always, Casemiro has been one player who has been not so visible, but yet so vital for his side. And uh, although we kind of don't know about this player that much, but uh, since I've followed this tournament so closely, uh, Luis Diaz from Colombia has been a standout. Uh, so Colombia, if you uh, if anyone has followed them play, they regularly line up in a 4-4-2 and the wide midfielders particularly, or let's call them uh, uh, wingers, particularly from the uh, midfield who make runs, it has been Luis Diaz and Cuadrado on the other flank. So Luis Diaz has someone that uh, has been someone that has particularly stood out, especially, I, I guess he got the goal against Argentina. Uh, and so, uh, these are the standout players that I would that I saw watching this Copa America tournament. So it, uh, the list obviously consists of Lionel Messi and Neymar. And uh, the revelations have been uh, Lucas Paquera and Luis Diaz for this edition, particular edition. And it's it's kind of uh, a testament of Uruguay's underperformance that Edinson Cavani and Luis Suarez are not uh, the two names that we could take in this uh, list of players. Mm, that's pretty interesting. And I, I've heard a few people mention uh, about Labadora from Peru as well. Uh, how, how, how's, how's he been? Because Peru managed to make it to a semi-final as well, although they lost to Brazil. Yeah, so uh, it's been like this for Peru uh, in recent years, if you if anyone has noticed them in particular, because uh, it's this side went on to uh, the finales of 2019 Copa America and they kind of uh, lost but did pretty well considering what was uh, expected of them. And in this tournament as well, uh, La Padula has uh, someone who is impressed in the forward line for Peru. And under uh, Ricardo Gareca, uh, they have been really, really well. And uh, La Padula is basically uh, tasked as the striker that is basically a target man for Peru. He has started all six games that Peru have played and got uh, two goals. And for for a side like Peru, who uh, have a lot to overcome if they advance in these kind of tournaments, like there are heavyweights everywhere in uh, uh, South America, like they face Paraguay, they face Colombia, they face Ecuador, you know, you name them. Almost every side that they have faced, even Venezuela, uh, are rated significantly higher than them. And operating in this kind of a constraint where you don't kind of expect a lot of balls towards you and being a striker, he has done what uh, a great job doing things with the limited chances that he has had. So I think that's what uh, makes Lapadula a fair shout on being one of those players that have operated really well in the constraint uh, with a side like Peru. Mm, that's really impressive. Uh, and you mentioned Lucas Paqueta. He, I mean, he he didn't really light up uh, at Milan in the Serie A, and he was sold. But he's had a really good impact at Lyon, especially. And with Peter Boss coming in, uh, in in the summer right now, it's going to be really interesting to see how Paqueta plays next season. And I've seen a few uh, Lyon fans, especially uh, part of my friend Alex Collins, who's been on the pod, who's a Lyon fan. 
So he's mentioned very highly of Pakweta as well uh, because of how well he's performed in in the last season. So yeah, that's a that's a very interesting thing to see, and we will now kind of look at the finals of both the tournaments. We'll start with Copa since we will anyway discussed a few players in the Copa America. So this Brazil versus Argentina, another chance for Leo Messi to end his international trophy drought. I'm not really taking the Olympics into consideration right now. So for anyone who's, who's going to mention that, so probably the best chance now for Leo Messi to end his drought because I don't think Brazil have really stamped their authority. They don't look 100% convincing in my opinion. That's what I at least that's what at least I've heard from a lot of people on the timeline. So do you think Argentina could finally do it? Yeah, I think Argentina this might be the best shot at an international uh, trophy especially after the 2014 World Cup setback. Um the first and foremost thing that we should mention is uh, you know Scaloni has done a very good job with this side with the resources that he has been provided and uh, since the golden generation of Argentina has come to the end and this probably might be the last stretch that we will see the players uh, like Angel Di Maria, Nicolas Otamendi and Lionel Messi in the South American turn uh, competition I think this this side looks really balanced in a sense that everyone has their role defined and for years especially after the 2014 World Cup this has been the team that really looks to be some kind of a side that can in the long run for example the defense has been good and uh, there have not been uh, an overhaul of attackers that we saw with Jorge Sampaoli's team in 2018 World Cup and when you consider uh, Brazil as well uh, although they have been very dominant with uh, their performances for example they stamped for four goals in their opening match and they've been kind of very lucky at times but they have been convincing with how they performed and how Tite has uh, intended this side to go but one thing that uh, catches my eye is almost every attack goes through Neymar the only time that Neymar didn't play was against he was uh, he was kind of rested uh, due to the yellow card suspension thing uh, due to a potential suspension thing and since uh, he was rested and the likes of Gabriel Jesus and uh, almost four players were rested in that match. We couldn't see the Brazil, like the flair or the expectations uh, that were put on on uh, Richarlison or Everton come alive. So he is that one player who makes things tick for Brazil. And on his day, he can do that. But with this Argentinian side, who look to be uh, at their best in defense in years, shutting Neymar down might as well do the job for the Alba Celeste. So considering that Brazil uh, have been significantly, uh, not significantly, but more or less have declined from the 2019 uh, perform- performance where goals were coming on from everywhere, the moves were from everywhere. And considering how uh, good of a team Argentina have proved to be, I think this might be the best shot that Argentina can have at an international tournament. So uh, from both the factors, uh, this might well be Lionel Messi's first, interna- first international trophy. 
I I hope I hope you don't jinx this. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just <laughs> I just analyze the odds. Like I think all the neutral fans and those who don't particularly support Brazil uh, want Lionel Messi to win this. Mm. And although the against Argentina, because I suppose uh, it's been sixty uh, odd years since Brazil lost at the Maracana in a major tournament and all the tournament that Brazil have played in their home soil, uh, the Copa America ones, they have won it. And this this is the same stadium that Argentina lost to Germany like in 2014. So again, although the odds are against Argentina in every way possible and the last uh, tournament loss that they faced or the overall loss that they faced was against Brazil in Copa America's semifinals in 2019. Although the odds are against Argentina, like they are closer than ever. That would be really, really interesting. And it would be pretty, pretty chaotic seeing the timeline if Argentina win the Copa America. So yeah, that would be, that would be actually pretty deserved to Leo Messi as well. Who's, who's also, like you like mentioned earlier, who, who's been really impressive. I mean, I read the Space 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 newsletter by John Muller, which is something everyone, every one of our listeners yeah. should have a look at. It's one of the best uh, football newsletters available right now. So th- those are really good pieces there. And he has really lit up the tournament, according to a lot of people. And I've had a look at the numbers, although I haven't watched a lot of games. So looks like this is probably the best chance for Leo Messi after that World Cup disappointment to win an international trophy. So, yeah, let's move to the Euros prediction now. England versus Italy. Sudesh? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it might be coming home, but Italy so far have been the more convincing side when we look at the whole tournament. From their match against Turkey to uh, how they went on to win against Spain. Although uh, the game against Spain was not the best game that they have played in the tournament, considering that the style of play that they have adopted under Roberto Mancini, they were not able to uh, work on that against Spain since Spain kept the most of the ball. Still, I think it, it's going to be Italy that are that will be walking into Wembley as the favourites. But we cannot deny that England have been with the momentum and they will play against a full house Wembley side. So it's it's kind of like a very interesting contest that we have on cards so far. Uh, if you look at how Italy have played and how adaptable of a side England have been. So uh, predictions aside, I think this is going to be a, lot, a match that will offer a lot in terms of how it's played in the manager's heads. How do you think about that? Yeah, it's a it's a very uh, interesting point, Sudesh as well. And I think for for all the criticism that you know, Gareth Southgate has had to face for a couple of years now from a lot of fans, including myself, uh, I'll, I'll I'll plead guilty here. I've been criti- critical of Gareth Southgate, but <laughs> I think he's 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 been impressive in the tournament. He's really been impressive in the tournament. He. He has played gung-ho football with this squad, which he could actually because he has the kind of players for that. But he's been really controlling. And the fact that England has scored nine goals and let in just two, two or one, is it? Is it, is it 
is it two goals or one goal that England it's, it's, is like? It's one. It's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is something which is really extraordinary because that that kind of a defensive record is really really great and. to concede just one goal in an international tournament something like the euros where you face i mean a lot of people could argue that yeah they face ukraine they take face scotland czech, czech republic and uh, uh you know probably a declining croatia so you you could probably argue that they faced teams who aren't really strong even germany uh, as well probably people would argue that germany probably aren't at the best at the moment so you could definitely argue but it's not easy it's not easy to just concede one goal it's not easy to like it's it's not easy to protect the goal as well i mean we we given harry maguire the credit for how well he's done kyle walker has not has not been really impressive in the tournament but i've seen him actually sprint so well recovering turnovers yeah. fast turnovers and that's that that's one of his strengths that's one of his strengths So I think the way Gareth Southgate has used this English team, Declan Rice has kind of got a lot of stick as well during the tournament because of his lack of progressive actions and he's been pretty conservative to be honest. If that, I, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but that's what comes to my mind right now. And I, I've heard a few people call for Henderson as well, but I think the Rice-Phillips partnership has probably been a bit stable for England. and up front harry kane did not probably start firing during group stages raheem sterling took them over as soon as the knockouts came in you see harry kane back in form you see them playing really well and something that i really really like about gareth southgate was that he has probably adjusted or he has changed personnel based on the opponents he faced against ukraine he bought on jaden sancho that was jaden sancho's first appearance for england in in in, in the euros and in, in this tournament and i think that was the only thing as well so he he brought on sancho there who was really influential in that game saka played against germany to to kind of prevent the threat that cosens provides because saka tracks back pretty often and and you always have that ability that that pace that saka provides to run in behind as well so in in the in the right side so he brought saka in against germany the same thing he did against denmark as well and i think that was one of the reasons why you saw Hockey Mela being less influential against England, so Southgate has been really influential in the tournament. No matter who says what, I think this is something I would like to still stick on. He's been really, really good, and it's it's you you could probably say the same for Roberto Mancini as well. I mean, I I mean the last time we did uh, an international episode, both Chris and I were discussing after that uh, Germany's humiliation of Spain uh, by by Spain. We were discussing how Italy probably. were also one of the dark horses under mancini and and yeah he sees he's basically lived up to that so they play in really good attractive football uh, they press really well the pressing patterns are probably a treat to the eyes the way they control the game in midfield jorginho barella uh, they have varati uh, bench options in manuel locatelli uh, up front i mean ciro immobile probably has been a little bit underwhelming to be honest but i think you still have that threat uh, always in ciro immobile insigne on the left baradi kiesa on, uh, on on the right side you had they had pinazzola uh, they they might go with emerson now bonucci kelini ever present as always i mean they are past their peaks but they've kind of 
taught that leadership at the back and the, the communication between both of them was really really immense and you could see that in several particular moments of 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 several games as well how how their communication really helped you know uh, italy to clear some part some danger as well so they have a really strong lineup gigi donnarumma was a really tall goalkeeper as well so you have you have a quality team in italy you have a quality squad in england uh, whose score is basically who's basically not won a lot of trophies not not won a single trophy you look at harry kane you look at harry maguire you look at jordan pickford these guys haven't won uh, you look at declan rice you look at calvin slips these lot have never won a trophy this 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 is their chance this is the chance to win this and if you ask me if it's coming home or if it's going to rome <laughs> it's it's a really 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 tough question but i kind of kind of feel that it's finally coming home for england uh yeah i mean interesting uh to point it out how the uh how gareth southgate has kind of mobilized the squad and i think this is what needs to be done if uh, if you have that kind of a talent pool in your depository and you have the luxury to use players as per how you want them for example he has a diverse profile in how his two creating midfielders are in jack grealish and mason mount you can have someone like mount who can kind of uh, break lines with his passes and someone like grealish who can carry the ball all day long and draw fouls and slow down the play or take the attack into opponents Uh, final third and i think uh, he has the role defined for everyone for example grealish as we saw uh, only started because of uh, mount's uh, isolation after the scotland game and since then or before that he's been that one uh, tool that gareth southgate has used in order to take the attack into the opposition for example when we saw against germany uh, he had an assist and had a a very pivotal role in creating another one uh with how he manipulated space and two players uh, for Luke Shaw to run in and that's a, that's a luxury that has survived England so far i think and Gareth Southgate has been exactly the opposite of how uh the previous England managers have been they have always emphasized on playing the attacking football and they have always not looked uh this pragmatic consider- considering how Southgate has had his uh, hands intact and how his teams can team can slow down the pace of the game after uh, scoring a goal uh, and that happened again as we saw against Croatia as well uh, so i think he's doing the right thing although he gets a lot of criticism and that i think he has a direction that uh, he has led this team into and against italy as well a team which is played like england have played three different systems in this tournament so far as far as i remember and against italy as well i think gareth southgate has definitely has a plan in his mind and when we and you talked about italy being uh and the classic um center back uh, duo i think italy also have that luxury of uh defending with those two when your plan does not go that way and that is necessarily what we saw against spain uh, although this italy prefer to keep the ball uh, with uh, jorginho and verati uh, working with it they were not allowed to do that uh, and against spain after uh, scoring that one hell of a goal i think uh, italy were pretty much successful in sitting back and 
without the ball defending all day long and comfortably i don't think spain uh, got that good of a chance that that good of chances uh, as we might have expected uh, them to create with uh, with the amount of ball possession that they had had so i think italy have impressed with their possession based football and they have looked like spain more than spain in this tournament actually and uh, i think they still have that luxury to go for the plan b that is to defend well and i think that's been in the italian football for so long they can defend all day long and they can you know bring the game to the opponent and with runners like berardi and even someone like locatelli coming on from the bench i think you can definitely play on the break as well this time around yeah absolutely and no matter what the result is in the final whether it comes home or whether it goes to rome you can definitely definitely say that this tournament has been a really really amazing one it's been enjoyable throughout with 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 the kind of football we've seen with, with the teams who who pulled out surprises switzerland beating france which i guess no one saw it coming uh, denmark reaching the semi finals i mean i kind of had a really bad take on twitter saying that uh, they would win in 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 karl ankas mention where he he wanted people to get their bold predictions out so so yeah i've been partly successful because denmark reached the semi finals with that so yeah it's been a really really interesting tournament all over and the copa america as well has lined up for a perfect finale both the games on sunday early sunday morning you have the copa america late late night sunday or early morning monday you, you could say the euro final as well in india i mean i'm basing it on indian time what not to enjoy isn't it yeah i mean there's been a lot of football in the past month and it's been really enjoyable for all the fans uh, but i can feel for the audience in south asia who kind of don't aligned with the time zones uh, me fortunately being in the middle east have had to only compromise sleep to witness these two tournaments and it's it's kind of uh, a sad note that this is going to end in three or four days from now but it's been uh, and, uh two tournaments that have lived up to the expectations and or if you ask me exceeded the expectations exactly and Yep that brings us to the end of this episode uh we've not actually hosted any patron questions for this one which we will start from the next episode onwards so thank you so much for listening to this episode to all our listeners as well sudesh it was a pleasure speaking to you i mean i i kind of feel a bit rusty because it's been 3 4 weeks since i recorded last i guess it's been a month basically since i recorded so kind of felt a bit rusty but really really happy to be recording the podcast again yeah i mean same and it was really nice talking into this podcast because of how vigorously i followed these two tournaments and how uh, these two like basically the atmosphere smells of these two tournament pieces and, and yeah we'll try to roll out the podcast uh, frequently in the coming days and i hope i can be in this podcast as much as i want to because i want to be in this podcast week in and week out <laughs> obviously we 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 will we will definitely have you on a lot of podcasts in the coming season as well and 
once again finally thank you to all the listeners until the next one bye bye and take care